the best way to to build relationships with people is to have that calm demeanor, especially in times like this, where you know the what people need right now is reassurance, whether it's in relationships or really anything. So. But welcome to the podcast where we dive in on relationships, love, lust, dating, philosophy, psychology, science, basically anything and everything. If you guys are tuning in on iTunes, uh, leave us a little review on there um, on Spotify as well. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit that bell button as well too. But today, um, I just want to break it down. Um, we met actually in an accountability group, uh, but we have a lot of mutual friends. We, we have some a lot of I guess similar goals, similar ambitions, and uh, just the people that we see around us, I guess, resemble and re uh, reflect that. And, and Brendan's definitely a guy that you know, I wanted to bring on the show because he's, we're just of like mind. And I, I definitely want to, I, I respect a lot of what he puts out there in, in the content space. And so um, let's break a little bit about that. Down. But I'm going to do a, a bad job of int uh, actually introducing him because uh, we aren't actually that close. We're, we're this is like our first time kind of doing a little face to face here. So this is going to be interesting. This will be a good little, uh, good little plot twist to our uh, relationship here. So what's up? How you, how you been, man? What's up, Coming man? I'm good, man. Life is good, Rob. How about you? Uh, you know, you know, we were just talking a little bit about, um, quarantine life and, and kind of how that's, uh, affecting both of us. And I guess for me, I'm a little bit introverted, so I guess quarantine life really isn't, um, it's not too bad to say, I guess, to say the least. I'm actually enjoying this. So, <laughs> but how about, how about you, man? No, life life is, I'm, I'm similar to you in the sense that I do spend a lot of my time alone. I think the difference now is we need to adapt to weird circumstances, because usually mm -hmm. that night out with our friends where we just get a dinner with them, it just doesn't exist anymore. So you have to create alternatives, whether it's like getting on a, a Zoom call or like a video call with friends and like recreating that experience or kind of adapting the way that you run your businesses or your day to day job. Yeah, I've seen a lot of twists and turns in my business as well, too. I was focusing on live events this year, kind of uh, took a little halt, obviously, because there's no public gatherings not allowed and, and, and things like that. So we've kind of taken a halt and I've been working on things on the inside. But anyway, um, I love your calmness, dude. Uh, where did you get that from? Like, how are you so calm when things are, like with just life? I, I just, your your demeanor is just, it, it just resembles calmness to me. So like how, like, how did, like, is that something natural to you or is something you built over time or just naturally a calm dude? That's that's a very interesting observation under Ed Rob. <laughs> I would say that it's it's definitely a learned skill. I was never always like this. I'm actually usually not like this at all. I'm very energetic <laughs> in everyone's faces. But I, I think what I've learned over the years is the best way to to build relationships with people is to have that calm demeanor, especially in times like this, where you know the what people need right now is reassurance, whether it's in relationships or really anything. So that's where I I, I kind of learned that a lot. And this is a trick that I teach in public speaking called mirroring someone else's energy. So let's say, for example, as you're looking at me through this screen, you're very calm, 
you're very, you know, you have a very calm demeanor. So the best way to build a relationship with you is to mirror that same energy. Oh, Ram's really calm today. You know, he's just having a good morning. So I'm going to do the same thing. But if you walked in the same podcast and you were like, Brendan, what's up, my man? How's it going? I would have mirrored that as well. I would have been like, Rob, how's it going, my guy? Right. <laughs> it's it's all about mirroring the energy of the other person. Mm. I actually love that. Um, I did hear you say something like that on your on your Instagram feed one time, I think, about mirroring the audience. And, and that was definitely gold, something that I was going to definitely take. And so let's talk about, about that, actually, since you talked about it. Um, you're a master public speaker. You, I guess, uh, compete uh, in communication stuff. I'm not sure what that uh, what those projects are, but you can talk a little bit about that. But you've won some awards in that area. Your your communication is just definitely on par. You are great at speaking, and so I guess you found this as kind of something like you wanted to put out there in the real world and help others, or or get inspired to to share their message. And I think that's important. Um, so how did you kind of get into that? Um, you went to, is it Concordia University? Exactly. So, so I'm born and raised yeah. in Montreal, which isn't too far from where you live. And in in the business school, when I studied in university there, I used to do these things called business competitions. So think of it like uh, being on a sports team. So like NBA, NFL kind of jazz, but for nerds. So instead of you know, spending two, three times a week with your sports coach who's yelling at you and going like, <laughs> Brendan, you need to do these drills. You got to do push-ups, which I can't do, right? But in that same analogy, we would spend maybe nine, 10 hours a week practicing. So business would give us a problem. And then we would take this 20-page case or problem statement, read all 20 pages, create slides and then present a solution in only three hours so we had like we had like a team of three we had to do this it's just instead of a sports coach it's senior executives at like big companies like deloitte or ibm and they would sit there and they would just be like this is a terrible presentation like do this again so that was our <laughs> so i was a bit of a nutcase <laughs> it's so funny the way you put it but i mean it sounds like almost like being an athlete for you know like like mentally i mean with with all of all of the know-how and the skills that you possess up there not so much like i guess in your in your physique or anything or your physicality that's awesome so you guys have won on you guys have won on and you guys have won some of those things i guess if you won some of those yeah so in my in my just to give you like i guess a synopsis of all this stuff so that means in three years i've presented 500 times it was like ins- it was insanity like just to give you an idea because it's not something most people are familiar with yeah that's insane my phone picture like you know the cover on my phone is me and four asian people okay and those yeah. asian people on my screen flew out from bangkok thailand to montreal canada just to present powerpoint slides to like 19 countries from around the world germany singapore like hong kong like they fly out to montreal for a week to present powerpoint slides that's insane and so there's no i guess is there like a like a bounty like a tournament bounty like do you win anything if you if you is it money or is it scholarships or what is it like 
It's it's honestly just prestige. It's just it's just no gloating. Way. But I can I can <laughs> explain. I, it's not very super interesting. But I can explain why people do these competitions, and the reason is because in business school, the top jobs in the industry almost always go to people who are extremely involved in their university, which makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so ex examples like you know if your if your audience has watched The Wolf of Wall Street, right? You know with the Jordan Belford and you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. So those types of jobs, like a lot of my friends are bankers on Wall Street and those people or on Bay Street, right, in Toronto. And a lot of those people do case competitions. And the same thing applies for management consultants, people who work in the field of consulting. Maybe only like 1% or 2% of all applicants get jobs in that field. And almost all of them did case competitions. So that's why I competed wow. in them at the beginning. That makes a lot of sense. So I, I would see why people get excited about that because, I mean, it, it essentially locks you in a position further on down the road, especially if, if that's the, the road that you're headed. And that's an interesting stat. So, like, if did you know this going into academia? Did you know that, you know, it was hard on the, on the back end trying to find something in the career that you're looking for? And, and like, how did you kind of uh, base that? turmoil and what what would you say to people like coming up from from that coming yeah and the that? quick answer is no i was a lost kid honestly i was just a kid <laughs> growing up in a low-income family had no idea what it was to even graduate from university because i'm the first mm -hmm. generation to do that and when i got there all i wanted to do since you're canadian is i wanted to work for the bank of canada which is like a this uh it's a financial institution that runs the economy and in the U.S. in Canada, it's like the Federal Reserve in the U.S., and that's all I wanted. Like I just wanted, like you know, normal job, a normal life. And then when I got there, I learned about all these, like, oh, investment banking or consulting, and I got really excited. I was like, oh, maybe I could get a job <laughs> in this. So that's how it started. <laughs> so I didn't know what I was doing, basically. That's hilarious. All right, so let's fast forward to now. Like, what are you doing on a day to day? Like, what are you seeing yourself? Uh, you know, seeing like who are you t talking to mostly on a day to day, and like, what are you doing? For sure. So, what happened from university to where I am today was I started focusing a lot more on the impact instead of the dollars. Because when I was in university, all I wanted to do with my life was become an executive at a company. You know, my mom grew up in poverty. My father had it really hard coming to this country and all I wanted to do was give them a better opportunity because they gave me the best opportunity which is being born here right it's just that goal got really bored I got really bored really quickly because I had achieved it you know I got the job in consulting I wanted to and that's what my day job is and I love it but transitioning from the dollars to the impact when I was studying a lot in university and I started developing this gift in communication from this crazy <laughs> marathon run of uh, competitions. That's when I had the idea for Master Talk because a lot of the people that I was coaching were like, bro, like how'd you learn how to speak? And I was like, I don't know, man. And then I started watching these videos and I realized they all sucked. But the point is, is I spend probably, so my nine to five is I work at IBM as a consultant. And every second outside of that nine to five, including weekends, I spend on master talk. So coaching clients and making videos. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, um, it's, it's interesting how when, cause I know there's point in time where everybody has 
either one foot in and one foot out. Um, I always tell people when I coach clients, I always tell people, like, if you have one foot in, one foot out, like, keep it like that way until one brings you away. Some people always think, like, you need to quit your job to go, like, full out at your your side hustle. And it's like, I think those people are chasing dollars, to be honest. And uh, just to go back, you know, a little bit for myself, too, just to kind of connect with you on that. Like, yeah, I did chase dollars myself as well. And I think this is where uh the the summit of greatness comes in i guess we can talk about that because you know the people that we meet there are chasing impact right these people are heart-centered entrepreneurs who um want to make a difference in the world and they understand that dollars are going to come after that but it's just about how you're going to set yourself up in terms of creating like i guess your dent in the universe and so you've decided that you wanted to help people in public speaking which i think is amazing um I know there's a little bit of a nuance when uh, we talk about public speaking and, uh, you know, professional speaking. There's a little bit of a nuance there. Um, so is it for public speaking um, that you want to do or is it just speaking in general that you want to help people? Right. So I would say for me, it's especially in the, in the context of Summit, before I actually went to the event, I wasn't taking Master Talk that seriously, if I'm being quite honest. Mm -hmm. It was it was still a passion project. I still had the intention of being an executive at you know IBM and all that stuff. But as I was meeting a lot of purpose-driven entrepreneurs like yourself, I started realizing that many of the people in the crowd, or really anyone who wants to make an impact, either under didn't understand the value of communication, or if they did, they couldn't afford a speech coach like me. So that's when I started freaking out because the people who needed the information didn't have access to me or anyone else for that matter. So that's when the drive came from Master Talk in mm -hmm. particular. So that's what I would say. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of people out there that I have conversations with um, when they come to me, they're like, I want to do what you do. Like, I want to learn how to become, you know, either a podcaster or just somebody who's great at putting their message out to the world and someone in, in any format, whether it's a podcast or a speech or a presentation or anything like that. And so I'm going to ask you, since I have you here, when you're first starting out, what's something that they should focus on? What's that first domino that they're looking at that they should probably um, I guess put all their attention towards? Because I know it's, it gets really, really confusing out there in the speaking world. So let's uh let's try to let's simplify it for the people 100 percent, man i would say the biggest one is what i call the psw so the public speaking why so let me give you a bit of context here let's say me and you so let's say me and rob are running a marathon together so we have a marathon in six months you know let's say it's a 20 kilometer 20 mile race doesn't really matter and every week leading up to the marathon we're going to run together and practice and i don't want to get out of bed and I'm tired. I was like, I don't want to run this thing. Well, if Rob knocks on my door at 5 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to run that, that drill. Because as we progress every week, two miles this week, four miles the next week, we get closer and closer to the goal. And we both visualize the goalpost, which is me and him get through the marathon. We get our participation medals, or in Rob's case, maybe like a first or second place medal. And... <laughs> You know, we win the marathon because it's a clear, tangible way of winning and achieving the goal. But here's the catch. In public speaking, that goalpost doesn't exist. 
what does being a good speaker even mean? Does it mean silencing more? Does it mean saying no ums and ahs? There's actually no answer to the question. And because of that, public speaking is a skill anyone can master, but very few people do because it's the one of the hardest skills in the world to hold yourself accountable to. Marathon's easy. You wake up in the morning, you run, you see the immediate benefit. Public speaking, you don't. And you don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, Rob, you want to get breakfast and like do a couple of presentations? <laughs> like, you don't. Right, you're right. Um, I wish I had some people around like that, you know, because it would be kind of cool to knock out some things and get feedback from people. Just like you said, when you're doing 500 presentations, you're getting live feedback from people, especially executives at like, you know, the big four, you mentioned a couple of the big four there. Um, you know, like that would be first, first of all, nerve wracking, I'll tell you that, especially if you're, you know, like a sophomore out of university or something like that. Um, I would be shitting, I would be shitting my pants just trying to give a presentation. I'd be really scared. Um, and, and then, so, yeah, but I mean, going back to the why, I think that's just such an important, um, you know, it's so relatable to anything and, um, which I love because when you're so focused and you lose track, um, sometimes when you're on that momentum shift, you can, it's hard to get back on track, especially when you're, when you're going full force at something. And so it's really important to have a why to ground yourself. If you don't, then, um, like I said, has like something haphazardly is going to happen to you or some, some obstacle is going to surprise and you're not going to know what to do with it. So, um, love that man. Uh, have your why. I think that's really important. What's, what's something that uh, they could focus on? So if they know that they have a strong why, what's something that they could focus on right after that? Yeah. So after they, after they figure out the reason why they want to master communication, because if it's not high enough, they won't go up the ladder to the communication. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you're just communicating for the sake of getting your next promotion, you won't, I don't see you inspiring crowds of thousands of people because your incentive to do that isn't high enough versus someone like you who wants to help people navigate you know, dads who are overcoming divorce and those types of scenarios, you're highly incentivized to master communication because at some point you're going to wake up and you're already doing that, I'm sure, with live events and say, I want to speak to 100 dads at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So that they can hear my message and all that stuff. So that's the first step, like you mentioned. After that, what I would do is uh, what I teach my clients is this idea that repetitions is excellence. I'm not smarter than any of my clients by any means. The only thing that I do differently is I do the same presentation over and over and over again until I'm tired of it. Whereas what most speakers do, most people are practicing public speaking because they get bored, right? They get tired. So they do like one presentation like three times and they go, oh, let me, let me make a new one. And then I, I always tell them the same question, right? If you want to make a difference in the world, is it easier for you to achieve that by presenting 80 different presentations 80 different times or presenting the same presentation 80 times right. the answer is obvious, think, obvious. Think, yeah. yeah and that's such a good and, and honestly great point to put out there i mean we talk about the ten thousand hours in the entrepreneurial space all the time where you can't master something unless you put in that much time into to thing and i think this is alluding to that a little bit of putting in the repetitions putting in the work, building habits so that it becomes natural to you, uh, whether or not you like it or not, because our brains don't care whether it's enjoyable or not. It's just 
do we know what we're like destined like do we know what we have to do when we get out there i think that's the biggest thing right so um man i love this um i could go on the the, the speaking stuff for you know hours with you but you know i just kind of want to segue a little bit because this is a relationship show and i find you know a lot of people come to me when you know either like you mentioned divorce or separation or heartbreak and when we get down to the problems of what is wrong in the in the relationship it's always communication there's always like something something wrong um, in, in the communication aspect and what i love about your channel and the things that you put out there um i always think about it in a relation a relationship context and i say man this makes so, so much sense and so you matt you mentioned the mirroring principle earlier today and um i just want to say like that it's so important even in couples communication because when one when one energy is met with either a resisting energy or an opposing energy things get heated real quick um and so i guess how can we you know take another topic from from communication mm -hmm. and apply that to relationships because i'm sure You've had some, you know, you've, you've witnessed your parents probably fight. You probably witnessed some of your friends fight. Um, and, and you kind of have, I guess, an idea of like what went wrong there in terms of communication. So what are some other things other than like the mirror principle that we can adapt and, and try to put into our own relationship so that we're not like always at each other's throats? And I, lo I love how you segued that. That's awesome, Rob. I would say that for communication in relationships, I'm no expert, but I can definitely give my take on this. It's this idea, what I found surprising in relationships is you're absolutely right. Communication really is everything. I guess it's in a different context. So what I got from other podcasts and shows is I think defining language is very important. So for example, let's say we're communicating with a partner and we say, what does this word actually mean to both of us? right? Like Tom Billy and his wife, Lisa Billy, whenever they're talking to each other, the word important for them and their relationship and their context means this is like, you need to drop everything that you're doing because Bill Clinton is in the house or something like really bad is happening. It's one or the other, right? So mm -hmm. they have very clear verbiage on what something means. And that's very important in communication as well. When we speak to clients in presentations, because we want to make sure that we're tailoring our language to what they're saying. The other thing I would say is this idea of pauses. Because I find most people in relationships, or really any type of relationship, whether that's romantic or a friendship or a podcast, right, that you're doing very well, is really spending time in involved or immersed in the other person. Because what I've learned from different relationship experts, whether it's Mr. Gottman or Dr. Gottman or different types of people like Esther Perel, is that people don't spend enough time immersing themselves in the other person. They just want to give their own side of the story from their own trauma, their own situation. And that acts as a barrier between what the other person is saying. So a lot of the times we're attacking the other person instead of just sitting there with them, right? I hope that's useful. But that's what I'm getting so far. No, for sure. I and I, and I think what a lot of people fail to do is what you just said right there, and you nailed it on the head. Is that people always want? Not I shouldn't say always, but they're they're sitting there wanting to rebuttal something as opposed to hearing or 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 letting the the person's words land. 
um, safely and, and basically like seek to understand before they even say anything. And I think, you know, learning from, you know, experts such as like people like art, like I look at different archetypes as well too, like Lisa and Tom. Um, I love who else is architect like out there. Um, as strangely as it is, Kanye and Kim actually have a really good um, archetype. And uh, there's another one out there that, you know, in terms of celebrity, I guess. Um, I don't know. We, we shouldn't talk about this. Anyhow, um, <laughs> Esther Perel's stuff is really good as well. And I saw her at Summit and just her presentation wowed me. And uh, really wished I could see Tom and Tom live. I think he's got a lot to 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 give out and stuff like that. So um that's cool man. Um I think anybody listening in with any type of relationship problem that uh and, and it revolves around communication can take this and, and really make strides with it because you know I think one of the things that a lot of guys struggle with is communication. We were always told uh, you know to kind of zip it if we ever have anything important to say, right? So um Communication is one of those ways that, you know, helped me a lot in my relationships when I wasn't able to express my feelings properly to somebody. And I think what you said there in terms of verbiage is so important because what I said to another person is not what that person interpreted it as. So that's cool, man. Um, what's up? Uh, you, you said that you're going to other summits this year. What other summits are you planning on going this year? Yeah, so th this will be interesting to you because I'll, I'll kind of tie a bow on, on relationships and all this stuff at the conferences. I was actually planning on going to 10 conferences this year, right? So like Summit and all That's these different lot. events. But here's the punchline. I'll tell you why I'm doing this. So there's two reasons. The first one was for a business reason, okay? just I just wanted to meet the entire community, learn from everyone, and I also sign clients when I come to these events. But the second reason is going to be a lot more interesting to you in the context of relationships. So relationships is something I've always struggled with, mostly in the romantic side. Not because I'm a bad person or anything like that, but largely because it's the only, in my head how I see it, it's the only equation that's almost impossible to optimize. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I want to build a business. right? Okay, I have a YouTube channel, of an IG, whatever. There are certain steps that I need to do to achieve that goal. If I don't put in the hours, if I don't put a video every week, then I don't, I'm not successful. And if I do, I'm successful. So that's business. Health, hire a coach, right? Just have someone train you on health. But what's interesting about relationships, because I've been single my whole life, is whenever we develop ourselves and we get better, so me and you, we both obviously have growth mindsets, when we get better, our criteria for what a partner should be constantly evolves extremely rapidly. And especially at the point where we want somebody else to have a growth mindset, the percentage of people in the world that have that is very low. So when I was sitting on my, on my couch in my house and I was pondering all this stuff, I came to the conclusion that the only way to meet a potential partner as a growth mindset in at scale is just to attend all the conferences, right? So that's <laughs> the second reason why I'm doing that. It's so funny you mentioned that because this is what I am actually employ a lot of 
men and women to do because not just women uh sorry not just men but women too because they're always looking for a guy who with the growth mindset i'll tell you that right now because or maybe they're stuck in a relationship where it got stagnant and um you know i'll touch upon that it's, it's just funny that you mentioned it because a lot of women do tell me that they're, they're i don't know where to find the guy and like this and that and then same guys guys say the same thing to me I don't know where to find the girl. I'm like, dude, these conferences are so underrated because when you find somebody who is on that same level with you, they're already there with you, vibrating on that same level. So I think it's just it's funny that you mentioned that because um, if you're looking for somebody who's on that same page as you, then go to these conferences. Whoops. Um, and yeah, I just it's just so underrated. I think I think a lot of people are are not taking advantage of that. And I mean don't go there solely for that only purpose right i mean like that's just a subsidiary because there's so much value to be had at these conferences outside of you know just chasing tail or, or whatever whatever what have you um no but that's good and i appreciate that that insight there so what other uh, let's, let's talk about the summits that you are going to i don't know if they're going to be canceled right because of the, the whole coronavirus thing so um what uh one you told me about mind valley and brandon hpx was it hpx or the influencer one that you, you got it hpx so in yeah. total i was i was scheduled to spend 48 days out of the 365 at events because yeah. you know i'm like you know i'm just spending at all these so i was supposed to go to brandon bouchard's event which i did and then mind valley a couple weeks ago i was supposed to be at tony robbins's upw so that's um unleash the power within mm -hmm. and that got canceled unfortunately it was the first ever cancellation 42 years it's interesting wow. yeah it's wow. insane yeah. and then i had another event in reach live and then just a bunch of events mind valley university afes like it's just a bunch i was gonna do all of them i was essentially running yeah. the, the gamut the entire gamut well, no, that makes a lot of sense, if, especially if you're landing clients there too, right? I mean, it's because um, these events are, are very untapped for that too, especially if you're a coach. Any initiative doesn't really matter. I think it's important to, to go to these events and network, create relationships. And um, so, yeah, um, what are some, okay, since we're on that, actually, what are some networking tips then uh, that you have? Uh, even like, because you said that, I mean, okay, so let's let's take it in a relationship context. Are you approaching women? Or uh, are you mostly approaching men? Good question. I, I I like the approach that you said that I do follow as well. Is just go with the flow. Like just to just to give you a, a context, the la the first time I fell in love with a girl, I was twelve. Okay, that was like over ten years ago. And the second time I fell in love with a girl was when I went to these conferences. Okay, it's crazy. Like I met a girl for three days. And I just fell madly in love with her. So it was a very effective <laughs> strategy. But the punchline is, every time I go to a conference, so this is two out of three, I found someone who met my criteria almost instantly. It was crazy, right? So what I'm getting out of this is I don't force myself to only talk to women or anything like that. I just talk to anyone who's next to me or anyone who's around, but I'm always talking all the time. So one tip I'll, I can give your audience on how to network properly is what I call, I don't really cover this in my videos, so I'll cover this in the podcast. I call it different levels of authenticity. So what this means is there's certain parts of you that you should be showing and certain parts of you that you shouldn't at the beginning. So for instance, with me, right, in this podcast, I'm showing a lot of knowledge, right? 
but my personality is actually a lot more aggressive than it is usually. So what I recommend to do with people is you just want to mirror people's energy and listen to what they have to say and then build up that level of authenticity over time. So for example, a lot of the people I met at Summit, I went quickly to 100%, right? Because a lot of the people there were just like me. They listened to the podcast, they understood what I was doing, I understood what they were doing, and it just made sense really quickly. So basically what I'm saying is what I do in networking settings, let's say we met in person, I would go up to you, see, you know, see how you're doing, and then just ask you a bunch of questions. So what, what's your passion about from relationships come from, Rob? What, talk about the shift that you had from being a regular guy who wanted a nine-to-five job to someone who wanted to pursue relationships as a career, right? So, so those things. So I would just push because I'm just so curious. And then from that curiosity, people take an interest in you. Mm, that's gold for sure. Um, most people lead with, hey, I do this, I do that, I, 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 me, 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 this is what I do, this, and it's just like, man, the, the more you get curious about the, per, the other person, the more it makes them curious about you, and it creates more stick history, so, um, I think getting curious is, is a great, um, game strategy, tactic, I hate using the word game, but, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a tactic that you would use, I guess, in those situations, so, Cool, man. And I think being um, in, I guess, not the life of the party, you have to be the life of the party. That's not what you said. I think what you're saying is just keep talking, um, just in, in, show that you're enjoying your time there. Because if you're reserved, not saying anything, you're shy, you're tucked away in a little corner, not saying anything, most people aren't going to want to have that conversation with you. But if it already looks like you're engaged in submersed in conversation, chances are someone's going to brush your shoulder and be like, hey, what are you what are you saying over here? What, what, oh, I love what you said there. What what were you let's elaborate? And then that's just how connections happen. I've met so many people just standing in line at Summit. Um, and I don't want this just to be like a whole go to summit thing. Um, but it is something that where I will say it's you know, there's a lot of women, good looking people there. Um, men and including women. you, man. And I got you. <laughs> there's yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, energy that is well like i guess i don't know how to explain the energy there but it's just it's so inviting warm it's people are just they get it you don't have to explain yourself to people which i love um and yeah i think when you vibe that high on a, on a relationship level too as well um your your potential is just not capped and i think that's what a lot of men struggle with these days especially a lot of guys in their I guess 20s, they would come to me and they're like asking me, is the juice really worth the squeeze? Like, you know, we talked a little bit about how if we build a business or something to aspire to, um, in, in terms of marriage, in terms of relationships, I mean, once you hit that marriage and kids and that white picket fence life, I mean, that's the end of that. And what happens is in case, you know, in cases where divorce happens or whatever assets get split children are now living out of two homes and so it could get really really ugly real quick and i think a lot of men um you know struggle with the idea of marriage nowadays because like i said the juice isn't worth the squeeze so what are your thoughts on that and what's something that you're going to be thinking about as you kind of enter that abyss right now 
Right. So, so two things are coming to mind in what you're saying, which I love. I look at you said abyss. I was like, oh, damn, we're going into an abyss. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing, just to put a bow on Summit before I answer that one, is if there's anything I learned from these conferences is don't waste time talking to people you don't want to talk to. Because I find so many of us in life, especially in our 20s or early 30s, we do things to please other people. You know, we we go out, oh, you know, Rob, come out to this party with me on Friday night. And you're like, I don't want, I don't want to go to this. I just want to read my book and just stay at home. And this doesn't just apply for Summit. If you love collecting stamps, chances are the vast majority of your current friends don't like collecting stamps. So my suggestion is find a stamp conference and go meet people <laughs> who collect stamps. You will have the best time of your life. Like with Summit, the reason why this event is so beneficial, why we're preaching it, is because we both listened to the show, like his podcast, Lewis's Show, and we both thought that we were the two only human beings on Earth who would sit alone in our basement and listen to the show. But when we both flew out and started talking to people, and they would come up to us and say, hey, did you watch the episode on Eugene Rem and how he built the hotel industry? And you're kind of looking at this person you're like yes yeah yes i did listen to this episode and then they would look back at you and say what are the takers and then you'd start to freak out but his point is find people that you want to talk to don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money because it'll be worth it because i met more people that are lifelong friends in 72 hours so in three days at summit than i did in over 20 years of living so anyways side note now let's talk about the abyss <laughs> so I think that it's important to know what you want and what vision you want for your own relationship. And I know that evolves over time, but there's different choices, right? You could say, let me become a multimillionaire and date supermodels. Let me build a nine to five, get a nine to five secure job, marry someone who wants kids. There's different options. And I think that's the struggle that a lot of relationship experts talk about is it's because of that choice that leads to a lot of confusion, especially with the roles changing now, since men used to be like the providers and women used to just be the homemakers. Now women in many cases are making a lot more money than men now and things are kind of getting confused. Not to say that's a bad thing, just the reality of the situation. So what I would say to men, especially including me, by the way, is to understand what you want, especially in the context of having a family. Like kids, I think is a very important deal breaker. Like you should either want kids or not want kids and know your reasoning behind that. And in the same fashion, develop your own criteria. So for me personally, I definitely wanna get married and have kids and have that experience because it's just a human experience I selfishly want. So because of that, I need to optimize for that versus if I just wanted a string of different relationships, which I don't judge either, by the way, you're just looking at your partner through a different lens. Because if you're just having one month flings, then it's easy for you or easier to, for you to pick a partner. Because in that situation, you would just say, okay, well, she's cute or so. I mean, I'm only gonna spend 30 days with her anyways. But if the answer is now 30 years, if it flips, then your criteria completely changes. And that's where I guess it's a lot more challenging for me because since I want that partnership, but I also know that partnership needs to last, that person needs to be exceptional, which means I need to be exceptional, right? So it's this whole new ball game. 
So the answer is, I don't know what the hell is going to happen in five years, but I'm going to do my best to figure it out. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. You're, you're very spot on with a lot of things, man. And you're very insightful, intuitive. You are, I love the way you think too. It's very structured, analytical. Um, and it's, it's just, I think, you know, I guess being single gives you a little bit of time to recollect on that. And so for all you relationship people, if you're constantly in a relationship, then you won't have these insights that Brendan is giving you here. And, uh, you know, that sometimes that I had to reflect on myself because it's just amazing when I hear other people say it, it's just, it's more of a reaffirmation for myself to be like, okay, you know what? It's, it's, it's okay to, to have criteria. It's okay to not, uh, connect with everybody and stop chasing everybody who's not right for you. And I think that these are just important lessons that um, any, any, any guy that can, especially if you're looking for a long-term relationship, like you said, uh, marriage and kids and things like that. So awesome, man. Um, dude, your, your information is on point. I can't thank you enough. Like I said, I'm super grateful to have you on the show because you're an insightful guy and we obviously have uh, similar cohorts. We're in the same ac accountability groups and, and things like that. And that's a uh, will side note here. Anybody um, who wants to get involved in accountability groups, I can't encourage you more to do that because in these groups, the things that get shared, the conversations that get had aren't conversations that you're gonna have at the bar with your friends, at the movies, you're not going to be having these conversations with them. Accountability groups gives you that ability to tap into, you know, other guys like Brendan. We have other people in there from, uh, you know, all different walks of life. And they give us, and they chime in with their two cents. And I think just having to, to take all that in, I think in a relationship kind of standpoint, um, it makes a whole lot of sense. What do you think? I, dude, I completely agree accountability groups are huge in the sense of going back to what I was saying earlier about really focusing your attention on talking to the people you want to talk to. There are the people that you should be spending your time with because life is too short not to. That's why I made the decision to go to all the conferences because I just wanted to keep meeting people like this over and over again, whether it's in a relationship context or really any context for that matter. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend it as well. Yeah, for sure. And if you guys want to get in part of our accountability group, you guys can hit us up in a DM too. Um, and we'll add you to that. But um, all right, let's segue a little bit. I do have a little bit of time. What is that? 42 minutes? Okay, so we've got a bit of time here. Um, let's do let's do the random five. I haven't actually done this on the new channel yet, man. I think this would be good. Um, so this is just five random questions, rapid fire. Let's get to know you a little bit. All right. Um, if you could hop on a plane anywhere in the world, obviously, you know, post-corona, um, and everything is good, where would you go and why? Columbus, Ohio, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> you, you know, what's fascinating is most people would probably say their dream destination. But I think the big one of the biggest lessons I've learned this year is I don't really give, like, I don't really care where I, I am. I just want to be talking to high quality people that are like <laughs> true. So I would say this year would probably be Amsterdam because of Mind Valley right. University is there. So I want to spend a month there just meeting people. Yeah, dope. Yeah, I love Mind Valley and, and Vision stuff. It's super empowering. It's super enlightening. I think anybody wanting to get on that level should definitely dive into some of the Mind Valley stuff, man, because it's really super eye opening. 
And it comes with facts too, that's, which, is a, which is great. I think that's what the spiritual world was kind of missing a little bit um, in that sense, but love it, man. Um, is there any books that you're reading right now? Is there something that you wanna, or, or a favorite book that you wanna share with the audience? Yeah, so the book I always share with people because it's, it's good with co context in terms of my vision and also the public speaking is this book called Thirst by Scott Harrison. So it's a New York Times book, you know, all the Bill Gates, all that stuff endorsed it. And basically what it is, is it's a book about a guy named Scott Harrison, who was a nightclub promoter and who turned into a dude who built a charity, right, to solve the water mm. crisis. And he's raised maybe like $360 million over 13 years. He's done a fantastic job and he's actually already solved more than 1% of the entire problem. The reason why I recommend the book, though, is for two reasons. The first one is it gives hope. Because I find so many of us, we want to make an impact in the world, but we're paralyzed. We see all these big issues, climate change, all this stuff, right? And we don't know what to do. You're like, if I donate 10 bucks to the, wild, the World Wildlife Fund, will this actually make a difference? And it's that confusion that leads to inaction. So I think thirst, it really opened my eyes. Because it's someone who's solving a clear, tangible problem that he's going to knock out of the park in 20 years. So it gives hope. So for that reason... Structured hope is a better way of demonstrating. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend the book. And the second reason why it's a good book is I fundamentally believe in the idea that Scott Harrison is the best storyteller in the world. And the way that he's convinced so many people to donate to the charity who never donated to charity and who didn't believe in it. And that is something that you can learn, especially if you're a business owner. Because remember, the best people we can learn from are always the people who have it harder than us. So that means if Scott was able to build a brand that's extremely powerful as a nonprofit with less money, less resources, less talent, what excuse do you have? So that's why I recommend the book. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah, I'm going to definitely download that. For, is it on audio as well? Yeah, it's on Audible. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I got some credit. I want to use that for sure. I'm going to download that. Um, sweet. Um, do you have any uh, weird eating habits? Whoa. Okay, I didn't expect that question. I, thought you were gonna, I, thought I, I was hearing like favorite food, eating habits. Well, actually, I eat a lot with my hands, including rice and just any food, even if it's like liquid, except soup. Obviously, that doesn't make sense. But like mm -hmm. the um, like rice and stuff, and that's because of my culture. We just eat everything with our hands. Yeah, for sure. Um, my Sri Lankan friend, um always eats with his hands so he's also a mechanic too and i always tell him man like are you sure you're okay with all that grease on your fingers and coming home and and then yeah because he's a mechanic right so he has a i'm just like but it's just how he eats dude it's just how it's just part of his culture and i'm like and and i and i will always tell him whenever i watch him eat i'm like dude it does look way tastier that way so i just jump right in with my hands man it's, it's it really is more flavorful that way it really is i don't know um anyhow okay sweet um so we went on that um let's go on the fourth question uh do you have a favorite quote that you live by or a mantra that you like to um say to yourself yeah my favorite quote of all time is by this guy named randy pausch who's from the last lecture so he found out he was dying at eight months and he gave like a lecture on it. It was a very interesting um, TED, I mean, not TED talk, but presentation on YouTube. And he says mm. this thing that I'll absolutely love. It's the following quote. It's, we cannot change the cards that are dealt, just how we play the hand. So what he means by that and what I interpret from that 
is you're given a set of cards in your life. Whether that card is, I grew up in a high-income family, I you know, grew up really smart academically, but my parents were divorced at seven, my i went through three breakups like we're we're all we all have a different set of cards that we can't change the only thing we can change is how we play out the hand right and most people unfortunately based on what i've seen fold their cards so they look at their hand they go this card this hand sucks right you know my my dad grew up as a drug addict whatever all that stuff my in my personal case my father was an alcoholic but it's all different cards right so my question that I ask people is, what are you going to do with the hand? Are you just going to fold your cards like most people? Or are you going to play them out? Because I believe every single human being has a special card in their hand. And for me, that card ended up being master talk. I was uniquely positioned in the market to solve public speaking for the world. Not just, you know, the person who's a multimillionaire investment bank at Goldman Sachs, but also, but not really for him, but for nine-year-old Julia, who's hustling at the lemonade stand, to raise a hundred dollars for charity when she types public speaking on youtube she finds a 50 year old man who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about so <laughs> i want to be that person so in that same way everyone's got a special card so if you find that card in your life my advice is play your hand in full you can love that yeah that that makes a lot of sense to me i grew up you know in university playing a lot of poker a lot of poker actually and um yeah sometimes it's not about the cards that you're dealt it's how you play it it's how you it's, it's how you attack the situation so i love that man um glad man this freaking podcast like, it's just like so many gold nuggets everywhere i feel like we should just end it right here and just drop it <laughs> but we got uh we got a couple more questions here still so um this is great man brandon i appreciate you this is awesome um uh, okay so the last question um dude i actually forgot these what are the What's a random question I can ask you? Um, this is raw, man. I love it. All right, let's do let's do this one. Um, if you could give yourself advice uh, to your younger self, what's some advice that you would give um, to your younger self? Now, knowing what you know now. Knowing what I know now, right? Also, <laughs> just be like confusing. But yeah, <laughs> just, uh, what advice would you give? Not knowing what you know now, it's like what. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say the big one. So going back to, I guess, uh, what I think people should do in general. Okay, there's a lot of advice I can give, but the biggest one is you need to learn to ask yourself the hard questions. Because here's what happens in society, right? We go through life and we don't really figure out what we want from it. So because of that lack of direction, what happens is when we have an obstacle or something bad happens in our life, we're not able to refine ourselves or to discover ourselves or figure out what our self-worth is if we didn't take the time to understand who we are and what we want. So I'll give you some examples for your audience to think about. One question I ask my friends and clients is, if you had all the money in the world, how would you be spending your time, not the money? Because you have the money now, you don't need to do the nine to five. So what would you do with your time? And a lot of people always answer the same thing that irritates me is they say they'll travel. And I always respond with, so let me get this straight. You're going to travel for 40 years and then die. Is that it? <laughs> and they would say, well, no. And then I'd say, okay, but how long are you traveling for? What day are you like? What time are you waking up? Or do you have a dog? Do you have three dogs? Do you have a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, both? Uh, like what's, <laughs> 
what what does the day look like people can't even answer this fundamental question like one question that's it and i got 50 like this or another one is what is the truth that you believe in like something you believe in that most people disagree with you on and the reason why this question is so powerful is because it forces you to say something controversial which most people aren't even willing to go to They're like well i don't know don't give up well most people would agree with that so find those unique elements about you those controversial things what in the world do you actually want out of life and if you can answer these questions you're off to the races love that man okay so that wraps up the random five dude like you you crushed that one that's uh i haven't done that on this channel yet so i think i'm gonna be bringing that back in but um loved it man appreciate you like i said um i'm super grateful for the information that you just brought on there super underrated i didn't think you'd be bringing such heat and so master you talk i mean uh instagram where else are you hanging out we uh talked about instagram on this little ticker here it says master your talk on ig but where else are you hanging out uh for people to connect with you yeah and for the record for everyone listening since i'm not famous by any means feel free to message me on instagram if you have any questions i'm more than happy to get on a call or talk over on chat i'm always very accessible i mostly hang out on youtube and instagram those are the two platforms i'm focused on but i'm also on tiktok as well if you're into that oh sweet damn i didn't know i'm gonna subscribe you on tiktok i didn't know you're on tiktok that's awesome go, man. i'm trying to figure out the content for that too so that's awesome all right i'll link all that up in the show notes you guys can get a hold of brendan um you know he says he's not famous but uh he's so he's sort of micro famous right now i think he's got a decent little following so um, definitely on that and um, so we're gonna take you to the last part of the show my dude um, this is how everybody finds me a lot of people find me at the worst parts of their life whether it be divorce separation basically a heartbreak and heartbreak shows up in any type of form it doesn't have to be in a relationship form it could be in the form of a death in the family or even bankruptcy a lot of people get um, put back after something like that like a financial crisis so um, when somebody's going through a heartbreak what is something or what is some advice that you can offer to somebody who's down and out like that? Yep. That's you really changed the tone of this interview real fast, but I love it. Uh, I would say for me, it's understanding who you are always brings you to what you need to do. So for me, whenever I have a heartbreak or whenever I have a struggle, whether it's in relationships or really any area of life, I always remind myself what in the world I'm trying to accomplish. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to give you some raw, raw motivation. Oh, just get back up. Like that's BS. What I will tell you Dan, is if you understand why you do the thing that you do at a very intense level, it doesn't really matter what happens to you. I'll give you an example. When I started Mastron, this applies a lot for breakups or anything. Okay. I'm 23 years old, right? Who am I to be the public speaking coach for the world? Right. Until recently, I have executive coaching experience. Before that, I wasn't coaching C-level executives or anything. So why am I the poster child for public speaking? Why is it me? And in many reasons, I had a thousand reasons why not to start this. Right. Brendan, you're not an executive. You don't have 10 years of experience. You don't have a PhD in communication. But the flip of that story that not many people think about is who am I hurting by not taking action? Who am I like hurting? And the truth is, by not taking action at a young age on Master Talk, I am hurting every teenager in the world who speaks English and wants to master communication if I don't make the videos today. 
And that applies a lot to any breakup and relationships. I'll explain why. Whenever I have a struggle, okay, somebody doesn't love me back. Somebody doesn't want to go on a date with me. Somebody isn't interested in being with me, whether that's friendship or romantically. I always go back to what I do and who I am. If I stop, if I let this breakup get in the way of who I am as an individual, what is the consequence of that action? Not for me, but for humanity. Well, if I break up with somebody and I get sad and I stop making the videos, then Julia, who who wanted to get better at communication, and she sees a bunch of old white dudes on YouTube, will just look at herself and say, I'll never get there. But when she sees me, super energetic and young, then she gets inspired to do something. So I don't give a shit what happens to me in life. You always get back up, not because of something you'll figure it out with time or blah, blah, blah but rather because your mission is too important not to. Man, Brennan, thanks for coming on the show. We're going to end it right there, dude. Shit, man.